You got the call. Welcome to the big leagues, kid. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the call-up presented by Triple Play Fantasy. We got a big crew here ready to talk prospects tonight. Of course, you know the normal guys on the show. We've got Michael Richards and John Helmkamp in the house tonight. John, back at it again. How was your week? How was uh, watching all these prospects go crazy? Oh, yeah, it's been good. Um, crazy week, like always. Um but it's been it's been a good one. There's been so much movement with these these prospects and so many people getting promotions and call ups and stuff like that. It's been really cool to to watch. So, um, yeah, it's been it's been a crazy week. I'm excited to, to dive into it. There's a lot to digest. Did you update your Bobby K board? You know, I'm actually about two days behind, but I do have his stats here. He's hitting 180 with 38 strikeouts and 22 hits. So we're at like a about a, a Two to one ratio strikeouts to, to total base knocks for Bobby Dahlbeck. So, yeah, just call up Tristan Cassis as soon as he suffers. Just get him. Uh, we got the we got the reference in early. So Let's just get it out of the way. We'll just just knock it off the top. Yep. Of course, we got Michael Richards in the house. You can't see, but his lovely voice you still can hear. Michael, how are you doing tonight? Doing good. Uh, glad to be back here, you guys. I tried to get my camera to work for you all, but uh, I'll try to get it up and running next week. Excited to talk prospects again and. Have a, a guest for the first time too. Excited to hear hear his thoughts on some players. Uh, you put it up on a tee for me, Michael. So I got to introduce him. Uh, obviously, no Christian Crespo tonight. He is on the road, starting his new job. But you will still, guys, will still, of course, hear him throughout the uh, the whole season. Just obviously, when he's not able to be here, we bring in guests. And our first one here, this guy is a, a, one of the best out there on Twitter. One of the best out there for prospects for anything fantasy baseball. He's a sports info associate for Underdog Fantasy. He's also, you could say, the Backyard Baseball MVP. Super fantasy. His picture is Pablo from Backyard Baseball, if you guys remember that game. Tweets tons of great prospect stuff. I think he's one of uh, the best follows for any type of baseball content out there. It is Brendan Tuma. What's up, man? How's it going, David? I feel like legit uncomfortable not having my Pablo Sanchez picture up. I, I was told this was video. If Michael's getting out of this without video, I should have just thrown <laughs> Pablo up and would have been would have kept that brand going strong there. No, man, I, I've been on enough streams with you now. I got to see your face because uh, we always it's always nice to catch up and and uh, see all you guys here. And uh, Brian, I, please tell us because for people that don't already follow you, Please tell us all the work that you're right doing with Underdog and then all the stuff that you're doing. I mean, you tweet out a bunch of prospect stuff every day. Yeah, so I'm with Underdog Fantasy right now, and we're just getting started on baseball. This is our first season. I work on the news team, and we're just like in the weeds. We have someone monitoring tweet deck, seeing what's happening in baseball news-wise every like hour of the day, basically. So when I'm on shift, I get like really in the weeds, and that's just 
um, is a real, I know like a lot of us obviously like love baseball. And so it's a cool spot to be the one thing I'm trying to do. And I'm, I'm excited about to be on the show with you guys tonight to talk prospects. Cause I've only been to a couple Worcester Red Sox games. So John, I heard you mention Cassis. I've seen him live a couple times and I'm going to a Portland sea dogs game oh. in a couple weeks. So I'm trying okay, to get so to like a so few more Marcelo, stadiums. Marcelo Meyer for me. We got to. Yeah, <laughs> gotta give, give him the nod when you get there. Um, yeah, well, we're gonna fit in uh, just just swimmingly together because I'm actually talking about two Blue Sox players uh, in in tonight's show. So, all right, yeah, perfect, perfect. Well, if that's if that's not a lead, and I don't know what is. So let's talk. Of course, as we always lead off here with our minor league players of the week, we give you a pitcher and a hitter from each of our guys here, and we got of course got to go to our guest here, Brendan. You picked. I mean, this is this is a guy. Even if you're not following prospects, I feel like everybody's starting to know. Vinny Pasquantino, first baseman for the Kansas City Royals. I don't know when he's getting called up. There's a Twitter account out there that says, is, has he been called up? And it's always no, but it's hilarious. Why don't you tell us a little bit about one of the hottest prospect names right now? Yeah, so Pasquantino, he doesn't have like a huge, he wasn't like, you know, a top pick. He was actually an 11th round pick back in 2019. He's an older guy. You know, you can tell just by his name and the way he looks, he kind of looks like a money ball player, not, you know, like you're up the middle shortstop that a lot of us prospect fiends like fall in love with and project on the frame and everything. But I think he's in an interesting spot to make an impact in both like redraft and dynasty leagues when he does get the call. And it should be very soon because the Royals aren't good. And for some reason, they're being really stubborn about calling up Pasquantino or Nick Prado, even though they're getting like no production from uh, Carlos Santana and Hunter Dozer right now. But Pasquantino, I think, is unique in the sense like, we just saw like Michael Harris got called up. He's like barely played in double A. Pasquantino's on the other side of it. He's this is his age 24 season. I'm just seeing if he's yeah, he's already turned 24 years old. So he's older in this day and age with the jump to MLB seeming so tough for prospects right away. I kind of trust some of these older prospects a little bit more who have a ton of triple A reps to come up and handle big league pitching right away, as opposed to, you know, like the CJ Abrams of the world or, you know, Jared Kelnick when he was rushed last year, I think Juan Yepes is a good comp for what we can expect from Pasquantino, not necessarily in their styles of play, but just in terms of like the immediate impact. This is good. We have you on the show because Michael is one of the best prospect minds, but he is, he says he cannot compare players. So it's very nice that, uh, you have the comparison there. Michael, I know um, you're a big fan of Vinny Pasquantino as well. Um, and you also said you you bumped him up over Nick Prado this year, who I think going into the season was by many people ha- ahead of Vinny Pasquantino. Yeah, I, it took me a while. Like last year, I was, I, was, I was buying into Prado quite a bit, the power and everything. And uh, I'm, I was really into the age versus level stuff last year, more even more so than now. And... Uh, Pasquantino just it just took me a while to get around to him and then once I started comparing the advanced metrics I just think he's a safer bat a, a yeah option. I mean I'm sorry Michael go ahead no no that's it that's it so one of the things I really like about Pasquantino is he has a lot of power uh he's shown already this year 14 home runs but just consistently throughout the minor leagues he's shown he has great plate discipline he's somebody that hasn't struck out more than 16.1 percent of the time at any level in the minors right now at a 15.2% K rate and he's walking 12.7% of the time. So the, basically the K to walk is really good. Obviously the ISO, the power, everything is there. You don't see that type of 
uh, play discipline from power hitters too often. So I think he's going to give you a very safe floor for somebody for fantasy baseball, obviously somebody that you uh, could feel about putting out there when he gets everyday reps, that's going to not going to drag you down too much if you're like in a points league, but in real life too, just for the Royals, um, he's going to be a cornerstone for that franchise and lock down the first base position or play DH if they have Prado out there as well. So uh, very much looking forward to him being called up. I would imagine sometime in June, hopefully, but you never know. I, I think that it's got to be soon. I think that he's forcing the hand. If you look at his numbers just from the last week, he had a 478 batting average with four homers, 11 RBIs in six games. Yeah. So right now he's just on a tear. And when when you're doing that at the AAA level, and it's not just like a random hot streak, you know what I mean? But you already have the safe floor. You, you've been putting up the production for a, a long period of time. And now you're just on an absolute heater. He's just sitting there knocking. Like you got to give him the opportunity to get up and see what he can do. So I, I think it's, it's, it's gotta be soon. For sure. Uh, I, I do want to get to our next player here. Uh, Woo Sox player uh, yeah. right here. You know, who already wrote up this guy. That's Mr. John here. Ronaldo Hernandez. Uh, why don't you talk about the Red Sox catcher up and coming prospect here? Yeah, I think following up Vinny Pasquantino, a 24-year-old who has shown good production for a long period of time with another 24-year-old who has been like mostly horrible for the season but now is just on a two-week heater is a, is a really interesting uh, you know, comparison to make because they're two very different stories, right? These, these are not players that have been doing it the same way. But, I mean, you can't ignore what he's been doing. If we're Right now we're talking about batters of the week this isn't like a this is our favorite prospect mm-hmm. or someone that i think is going to be a, a future all-star but player of the week it's got to be ronaldo hernandez he led all of minor league baseball in batting average this last week with a 591 average in five games with 13 hits two homers three doubles seven rbis and he had a walk uh, only struck out twice as well, so it's not like he's can a bunch. Um, his OPS was a one one point six two five. So this last week he's been tearing it up, and he's been doing it now for a couple weeks, dating back to May fifteenth. So little over a two week sample size here. His batting average over that period of time is four twenty four, and he has uh, a lot of singles. Uh, he's he's not like a huge power guy, which is interesting for a catcher because a lot of times you think that they're going to be the ones that are going to come in and be you know big boppers like your first baseman. Um, he only has those two home runs in in the last two weeks uh, compared to you know uh, quite a few quite a few uh, singles. But he does he's he's been tearing it up. He's been getting on base a ton. Um, the strikeouts to to balls based on balls I, I'm not in love with. He's got nine Ks to four walks. Uh, over the last two weeks. But in terms of just player of the week honors, I mean, here you go. You you can't really do it a whole lot better than, than what he's done over the last seven days. And you're right. Like we need to preface that this section is not necessarily for season stats, but it's for what they've been doing over the last week to catch our eye, to be those players of the week. In general, though, he does definitely need to to lower his K rate a little bit, 28.7%. It's not horrible, but the 3.5% right. walk rate, Never been a guy that walks a lot. He's never even had a double-digit walk rate at any level. But somebody that can definitely help the Red Sox, um, you know, if they were to have injuries at the catcher position as uh, he's been heating up, and you definitely want to keep an eye on that um, if you're the Red Sox and if you're a fantasy manager that could use help in that position. 
This next player here, I want to kind of open the panel up after Michael talks, because this guy's been a fixture. I think this is his third time on the show. I know this is one of Michael's guys, and that's Ezekiel Tovar, shortstop in the Colorado Rockies organization. Just absolutely lighting it up over the last 10 days, Mike. Yeah, like you said, we've talked about him a little bit uh, already, but he just continues like you know, I'm looking at these stats. I've, I'm sticking with the 10 days instead of seven because it gives me a little bit more. But uh, he, like you see, 432, 530, 23, 865. He's not, he's not striking out. He's taking walks. He's stealing bases. He's hitting for power. And I always chuckle when I look at his uh, scouting grades on fan graphs because they have him for 60 hit tool, but they have him for 40 power, 45 speed, which is it's just wrong. Uh, his performance is just shows that it's a lot different than that. So to me, this is a well-rounded player, like across the board, 20 years old at double a, a shortstop checking all the boxes. Um, the only con that I see from a dynasty perspective is the organization. Uh, everything else is, he's just telling me this is a breakout. Uh, and, and I've already seen he's in the top 50 and, you know, the big lists now and their big updates with like James Anderson and Eric Cross. Yeah, definitely someone that's really rising up the ranks. And for as bad as the Rockies organization is, they know how to produce shortstops. You saw it with Troy Tolowitzki, and then you saw it with Trevor Story, and then he could be the next big up-and-coming shortstop for the Rockies. Do you think that, Mike, that he would debut? Could you see an early 2023 debut for him, or do you think it's later than that? Like I've said every show almost, I'm terrible at predicting when, <laughs> when players get pulled up, but... But he he was producing in spring training this year, like I I think the Rockies see him as as their future shortstop, and I think they'll they'll call him up when they think he's ready, even if he's not. But I could definitely see an early call up next year, age twenty one. Yeah, and I I still always make you uncomfortable with that because I, I I want an answer from you, Michael. Even <laughs> if this is your prediction. Better at it. It's just I, my predictions are so bad. I yeah. I whoever I say he's getting called up is going to be. Like I brought up Vinny Pasquantino like three times in the call up section. Like he's just he's doomed. I'm not I'm not going to mention him again. Just so we'll, get <laughs> well, those are some of the hitters that we're catching. All right, what about on the pitching side? Uh, Brendan Kyle Harrison. We talked about him last week. His K per nine is just absolutely bonkers. He's somebody that has elite strikeout stuff, and someone in the Giants organization that could is really turning some heads right now. Yeah, so I'm a little obsessed with the Giants as an organization and what they've done with a lot of their veteran players over the past couple seasons, whether it's the hitting side, guys like Evan Longoria, Tommy LaStella, Mikey Stremski are on the pitching side. You know, we've seen Kevin Gosman and now Alex Cobb. And they, they just have a really incredible player development department. And what I'm so excited about to see with them for the next few years is they have these really, really elite prospects that are about to come through the system. Cause so far, so far, their big league success has been relied upon by veterans. But, you know, Marco Luciano's coming. Luis Matos is in the pipeline. And, and we have Kyle Harrison now as well. He was basically a first-round caliber pitcher in 2020 who fell to round three due to some signability stuff. So when you see that round three label on him, that can, you know, make you think he's somewhat overperforming. But he really was a first-round talent. And good strikeout stuff in 2021, his first 
uh, pro season, but the command, uh, the command wasn't fully there. He was walking too many guys this year in 2022. He's come out and he's striking out even more batters and he's walking a lot less. Obviously that's what we want to see. I just really believe in the giants as an organization. He gets a lot of Madison Bumgarner comparisons for just being a lefty, you know, coming through the system pretty quick. It seems he's already up to double a, he was recently promoted and I'm, I don't try to, you know, go too, too deep in with, you know, scouting, uh, like, actual film stuff because i'm not you know at every game by any means but when i watch him pitch i, I just really like his windup it's really clean and efficient and you know the ballpark's gonna be great for him when he when he gets to the giants he he just checks so many boxes both talent wise and organization like situation wise and i really like him too because he's got a, a fastball that can touch 98 he goes throws it a lot uh up in the zone he's also got a very sharp slider that he throws down and away um to righties and down and in uh, I'm sorry, down and away to uh, righties, down and into lefties. And it's just overall, I, I think he's got a great pitch mix that I, I think he can really work with. And like you said, a, a clean just pitching delivery. Um, and obviously, like I said, the strikeout stuff is is really seems to be there. Just seems like he's got a lot of the tools to be a frontline arm here. He's kind of gotten his toes wet here in double A this year. Do you see him getting called up anytime? Obviously, I don't expect to see it this season. Do you think next season we get the call, Brendan? Possibly like late next season. If, uh, you know, it's a ways out. I agree with Michael. It's sometimes really hard to predict this stuff. It, it can be, you know, kind of similar like stocks in that sense, trying to find the bottom. And at this point, like, let's just like give up on like guessing that and we'll see these guys when we see them maybe late next year. I've kind of, I feel like a lot of times on Twitter, especially, and maybe this is just, you know, I'm on Twitter too much, but it's like with some of these prospects, we're always screaming, calm up right away, calm up. And I've been extremely guilty of this in the past. Based on what we've seen the past couple of years, I'm trying to take a much more patient approach with a lot of these guys. And that's why I like you like Pasquantino, who has a ton of AAA experience. That's why I really like Juan Yepes for like redraft leagues when he came right up. But uh, so I think with Harrison, like, the, you know, let's let him develop, take his time. I think, you know, midway late through next year if the giants are a contending team you know we've seen a lot of uh playoff bound teams call up some pitching prospects for like late season bullpen rolls and you know we'll see where he goes from there i have absolutely no idea what you're talking about about telling organizations to call players up quickly that's just not something <laughs> not something that i would ever ever do yeah um john i'm gonna stay with you for a second because yeah. uh brian bello was impressed you so much that you said he needs to be on here again. Yeah. And why don't you go ahead and, and talk him up again? I think he might be listening this time. Oh, that would be lovely. Um, <laughs> so Brian Bello, um, we touched on him after his first AAA start, which was dominant. And it's, it was fantastic. Since then he's made three starts. He's logged three wins. And I know like talk about wins all you want in terms of whether they're a pitching stat or, or not, and, you know, whatever. When he's been on the hill, his team has won the game, which is the whole point of a pitcher is to win the game. So three starts, three wins, 17 innings pitched. He's logged uh, 13.76 Ks per nine over his three AAA starts. And he's the only pitcher to strike out 10 plus uh, in, in, uh, in his league this year. And he just got promoted to that level like two and a half weeks ago whatever it was. So he's, he's dominating at, at the triple a level. We we've been talking about him. He's been someone we've talked about in our group chat. We've been hyping him up and saying, dude, look at this guy. Like it's, it's so cool to see what he does. He's got such a great 
arsenal of pitches, 98 to 99 mile an hour fastball with breaking balls that, you know, can just disappear at times and fall off the table. It's, it's really cool to see what he's doing. And Boston needs a lot of help at, in their rotation. Um, I think that right now, if he just, if he keeps doing what he's doing at the triple a level, I, and, and Boston's offense has turned it around and they have been scorching hot. The, the stars are playing like stars. The role players are, are mostly chipping in other than Bobby Dahlbeck striking out way too much. Um, but Boston is looking like they could potentially be getting hot and, and, and get back into the conversation in the AL East this year. Like it was, it was a disaster to start with, but now it's looking like, okay, well, hold on. If the offense can keep doing what they're doing, maybe we give Bello a shot. Maybe we do bring him up and start seeing if he can contribute uh, to the pitching staff and in terms of making a late season push for Boston. Um, I don't think it's going to come anytime like really soon. I'm not saying that he's like right there knocking on the door. I think there's a chance we could see him this year. Um, I think he should absolutely be in consideration for, for 2023 though. We did talk about that. Maybe we could see the Sox using him kind of like in a Garrett Whitlock type of role. Right. He'd come in in the bullpen and, and work a couple innings where they really are struggling right now. And maybe he doesn't get starters look till potentially next season, but definitely I could see him helping out the Red Sox this year. So we shall see with that. Back to you, Mike and Connor Phillips in the Cincinnati Reds organization. And I think people talk about Hunter Green, Nick Lodolo, but they don't know many other prospects here. And you're here to educate the people. Yes, Connor Phillips. So in in this section, you know, I could always go with someone like Grayson Rodriguez, and he probably deserved it this week. Uh, but we've talked about him so much that I decided to go with Phillips. Uh, he's someone I know a little bit more about because he was in the Mariners organization last year. He was the player to be named later in the Winker and Junior Suarez deal. And uh, I was intrigued by the, the research I did on him in the offseason. Uh, he's got uh, plus fastball, plus slider, above average curveball, and the issues command. And I had a smart person tell me that he could be this year's like Matt Brash as far as like a breakout. So I've had my eye on him from the start, I guess, of the season. And, you know, he's been good this year, uh, almost 14 Ks per nine. His walks have been going down at each level the last, uh, three, last two years. Uh, it's still a little bit higher than I'd like to see, but it's it's still promising. Uh, 2.86 xFIP, you know, 2.75 FIP, 2.53 ERA, so all that stuff's lining up. I've seen him pitch a few times. Uh, he's got an electric arm, so it's just one of those guys where it's going to come down to his command. But he's someone that doesn't get talked about a ton. He's probably rostered in about 13% of leagues on fan tracks, so he's still more of like a dynasty player. But uh, he's someone I'd, I'd like to invest in on the pitching side right now. Yeah, no, I mean, um, very much, very exciting. Uh, somebody in the Reds organization. They do need a lot of help there right now. And uh, somebody that is looking really good for them. I do want to move on to some notable promotions, some call-ups from this past week. We saw Michael Harris the second get called up to the Atlanta Braves. And somebody that's a great defensive player. Um, he's got some, uh, some power. He's somebody that, uh, and I saw the comparisons defensively to some other Braves top prospects just, uh, on that side of the ball. But the concern was just his chase rate overall. Is he going to be somebody that swings a lot in the major leagues? As you could see, he had, uh, in the, you know, in double a, a 20% strikeout rate, isn't too bad. A 33% strikeout rate in the major leagues early on. 
Um, never been someone that walks a ton, but very athletic, has tons of potential. I think the Braves are really excited about this guy, and, and he's a, a left-handed hitter that has an ability to make a lot of hard contact. So I think he uh, could be very much a, a good fit there with the Braves this season. Ranzi Contreras for the Pittsburgh Pirates, just absolute stud. Glad he got called back up there. And Royce Lewis was called back up, was playing center field, and then he went on the IL. Uh, Brendan, is there any of these three that you feel like you really uh, want to just hammer home just the, the greatness of any one of these three guys? I'm just, I'm, <laughs> I'm just really interested to see what happens with Harris. I mentioned him, you know, as like the opposite of a Pasquantino type. He only has 43 games above high A. And I've really historically been the type to push these guys. Like, this guy's so talented. Like, get him up right away. I think during the juice ball era, the, like, the barrier to entry to be in the major leagues was just for a hitter, especially it just, it wasn't as fierce as it is right now. So we saw so many guys, even if they came up and weren't, you know, superstars right away, they were able to, you know, be big league regulars. And I, I just think it's a lot tougher right now. I'm really excited to see how he does because with all this, it's, you know, then there's guys like Juan Soto who, you know, barely played in the minors and it seemed like they were rushed Royce Lewis, who I am, going crazy over these days based on his big league play and just like watching him. I thought like he, w I wasn't super excited about him this season when he first came up because it just like seemed soon. So some of these guys, if they are legit, if they can play, they'll find a way to make it work. I just, I'm a, I'm a little skeptical that, that Harris is ready based on all of that. But, but again, just like we saw with, you know, Royce Lewis this year as an example, the, the guy hadn't played in two years basically. And he just like looks the part so well. I agree, and these three guys are all exciting players. We'll, we will see, especially with, like you said, with Michael Harris, who doesn't have a lot of experience. But all three guys are definitely electric and exciting to watch. Hopefully, Royce Lewis uh, will not be on the aisle very long. Let's get to our prospect watch. Some players that just caught our eye here as we watch them kind of rise up the ranks here. And, Brent, I'm going to go back to you. Ken Waldachuk of the New York Yankees and their organization. Uh, what about him has been a kind of making you want to watch him play he's just a really interesting person in general he's kind of his, he had this nickname coming up he was called as like the king of funk and he he's really always been into you know not just like an overpowering fastball but he's into throwing like some interesting breaking balls and the yankees are, as an organization right now are doing a really good job with their organization-wide pitch development there's been articles in the athletic Lindsay adler's done a good job of profiling it about uh, they're teaching these guys in the lower minors and also in their big league rotation and bullpen to throw uh, this pitch called the whirly, which is basically a slider with a bunch of horizontal movement. It seems like from what I can tell, I do. I'm on the street deck feed all day. I read a ton of the athletic articles from what I can tell the smartest organizations are developing these pitches on an organization wide basis. And Waldachuk, it seems like has really taken a liking to this sort of player development program that the Yankees are providing for him. And it's just like really working his numbers. I, Michael, I know you mentioned, you know, age uh, related production at the beginning of the show. So when you look at wallet check numbers, like they're insane, but you got to keep in mind, he was like a 24 year old in double a. So he's facing guys who are a lot younger than him. I think with wallet he's one of these guys who, Again, he's older. I think he's got a lot of experience. So when he does come up, he's going to be kind of ready to hit the ground running. I don't necessarily think he's, you know, going to reach the level of prospect hype as, you know, Grayson Rodriguez or Daniel Espino or Uri Perez. And a big reason is that 
his age, but I mean, I'm just not betting against Yankee pitching right now. I've, I've seen what they've done with Nestor Cortez and Michael King and Clay Holmes and all these guys they're developing it, it, whatever they're doing is working. And Wallachuk is, you know, it's similar to Kyle Harrison wanting to bet on the giants as an organization. Like I'm wanting to bet on the Yankees specifically their pitching development right now. Yeah. We've seen certain clubs like the Yankees, the Dodgers, the giants, some and the Marlins, like there's these clubs that, you know, when the pitchers are in the organization, they're going to develop them the proper way. And then you see stuff like the Kansas city Royals who, the first team that comes to mind that I get a little bit more scared when I see prospects of the pitching side in their organization and wonder if they'll develop. Yeah. Asa Lacey right now is struggling, but there, I mean, even we're talking about Brady Singer and, and a bunch of those guys, uh, you know, and uh, Drew Lynch, there's just, you know, countless ones that seem like they haven't lived up to their potential. But uh, I I will say like, you know, like you're saying, uh, Brendan, like the, having these different pitches, the sweeper is another one that kind of, uh, kind of everybody's now it's more mainstream now but these types of things that they're working with these guys uh, i like the call there uh john Pico yeah. armstrong who uh i like him a lot somebody that i think i was very surprised that the uh was given up in um last season in a trade i thought he was yep. a little bit uh, more valuable in that for the the haul that they got can you talk about Pico armstrong and what about him has caught your eye I definitely can. And also, I made that font way too small. Um, I'll make it bigger next week. Sorry about that. But yeah, he was literally promoted to high A uh, today. He's 20 years old, so we haven't seen him at high A yet. But at low A, Myrtle Beach, um, the infamous team that created the uh, beer bat that I'm currently holding in my hand, they were selling them at their, uh, at their stadium. Yeah. They, I, they, they weren't allowed to sell them because there was like legality issues with it. But what you could do is you could Venmo the general manager of Myrtle Beach money to buy a beer. And then he would buy the beer, drink the beer, and then they would sterilize and clean the bats and ship them out to you. That's so it was cool. their loophole around actually buying, actually being able to sell the bats. But anyways, at Myrtle Beach, um, he tore it up. He had a... Uh, 354 batting average, uh, 445 on base, a 557 slug. Um, he was killing it. He was the player to be, uh, or the player that was involved in the trade for Javi Baez last year with the Mets. That's what it was. Thank you. Yep. I can remember the trade. Yep. Plus plus speed. Um, a first round draft pick, 19th overall in the 2020 draft. So just one of those, one of those young players, but already getting the promotion up another level, and and you know clearly. The Cubs, the Cubs must love him if they were willing to like if that was the guy that they were targeting in the trade for Javi Baez. I think this is someone that the Cubs are going to be really high on, and some that they're going to be, you know, giving every chance to succeed and and excel throughout their system. So he's still he's still a ways off, you know, just getting promoted to High A right now. Um, it's not going to be anytime soon, but he's someone that I'm I'm watching. His his speed is crazy. Um, his ability to, you know, tear it up on the base paths is, is awesome. He had 13 stolen bases in 38 games um, at Myrtle beach this year. So just an interesting name, a young guy to, to just kind of put on the, on the back burner and, and keep in the back of your mind for the next couple of years. Yeah. I, I really like him as a prospect. And, and like you said, a few years away, but keep yep. that name in your mind there. Mike Steri uh, Ruiz, San Diego Padre, second baseman, 
somebody that uh, people need to be watching. Yeah, he's someone that was popping up on my early filter lists, uh, just looking at good hitters that that walk and don't strike out, and uh, everything's everything. He's checking all the boxes basically. Uh, there's his he's just like uh, Tovar. He's out he's outperforming drastically, outperforming his scouting grades. Uh, he was said to have a 35 hit, 40 game power. Uh, the double plus speed is legitimate. He's got 33 stolen bases and 38 attempts this year, which is his most appealing thing. But when he's piecing together all these other areas of his game too, as a middle infielder, he's capable of playing outfielder as well. Uh, the Padres were already trying C.J. Abrams up in the majors recently. Uh, this is someone that I think is probably not even really talked about a lot in outside of hardcore, you know, dynasty stuff. So. He's someone I would I would target in as many leagues as possible because there's a combination, like we were talking earlier, like the Juan Yepes type guys and and Jose Miranda, 23 years old in Double A. That's when they broke out last year. That's what's happening here, except he's got double plus speed. So, I'm I'm picking him up, and I think everyone listening should too. And that's what we try to do here at the call up. We try to give you some names here that maybe your league mates might not know yet. So a certain amount of time before the prospect names become mainstream and someone like Asturi Ruiz here, he's somebody that many people might not know about. And just another fact here too, from 2016 to 2021, he has the sixth most stolen bases in the minor leagues over that span, 158 steals. So somebody that can really help out um, in that category when he eventually does get the call and you see 33 stolen bases um, so far in the 2022 season. So, Again, uh, like Mike already said, somebody you need to make sure you keep your eye on for sure. Our last segment, who's next? Who could be next to get the call? And Brendan's very optimistic. O'Neill Cruz, despite some shakiness so far in AAA, you think he's on the cusp of being called up to the Pittsburgh Pirates? Yeah, so of course, you know, I, I make this pick. Uh, we planned out all our picks uh, ahead of the show and uh, you know he's dealing with a bit of like a minor ankle injury so it, that might slow him down by a little bit i mean at this point at this point for the pirates they're probably waiting to super two uh deadline anyway you know o'neill cruz is one of the top performers in spring training in 2022 and they still didn't uh break camp with him even though a lot of other clubs did break camp with their top prospects bobby witt jr julio rodriguez spencer torkelson etc etc but O'Neill Cruz, I think, and I'm just like really reading the tea leaves here from uh, beat reporters and articles that I've written. It seems like when O'Neill Cruz went down, he kind of uh, sulked a little bit and wasn't wanting to play the outfield. And that was kind of the Pirates plan for him, get him some exposure to some other positions so that when he could come up, he would be ready to contribute in multiple areas. Anyways, he, he was doing, you know, pretty terribly in the month of April, but um I just wanted to note that his numbers in May are just like so much better at this point. And I know a lot of the redraft community might've moved on from him. If you were stashing him those first few weeks after your draft, but with super two coming up and with him getting on a tear in the month of May, this is still someone who, if, and when he does get the call, like the physical tools, the fact that we have baseball savant data for him and he had, you know, 118 mile per hour batted ball, last season in two games in the major leagues, like the physical tools are still there. He's still someone who could really make an impact. And if we are playing with a D juice ball in 
baseball this season, I think we're kind of seeing, you know, power kind of matters a little bit more like Aaron Judge is, you know, someone who's obviously really strong and always has been, but his ability to hit the ball really hard, it was kind of overkill in the height of the juice ball era. And that's just a way of saying that O'Neill Cruz, his ability to impact the ball, uh, I think is something that we're going to want to buy into. The power and speed combination is very tantalizing, and hopefully he gets to show that in the major leagues very soon. Last player we're going to talk about here on this episode, Riley Green, outfielder for the Detroit Tigers, would have probably broken camp with the team in spring training if not for a broken foot. And he's now kind of having his, if you want to say, a second spring training now, what I could imagine to be called up to the Tigers after this is over. Michael, you think that time is going to be soon? Yeah, I kind of cheated here since I've been so bad at uh, doing call-ups. I know the Tigers want to call him up. It's just he's basically just getting ramped up, moving up the levels. Once he gets enough uh, plate appearances, they're going to call him up, and he's going to be in the lineup pretty much every day, just like Torkelson. You you have the same issues you have with any prospects of are they ready to produce in the major leagues immediately? But uh, as far as his overall skill set, he's someone that I was really high on by the end of last year. I had him ranked just behind Julio Rodriguez and Bobby Witt uh, going into the offseason. So plus hit tool, plus power, and he's showed the ability to steal bases as well in 16 or 17 last year. So he's still young. He's only 21 years old, so I, I still view him more like most prospects. Like Brendan's been talking about, I, you know, these younger ones, I do view them more as dynasty players. But he's also a special talent long term and someone that I would be willing like I'm more interested in him than like, say, Michael Harris this season if I was going to gamble on someone. So, um, yeah, Riley Green, I think he's going to be up soon if he's out on your waiver wire. Check uh, check him out. Riley Green, definitely a name for this year for redraft leagues, obviously in Dynasty. He should be rostered if he's not. Uh, that's unbelievable. But somebody name that you guys should know. And on that note, that's going to wrap up the call-up for Week 7. Brennan, man, thanks so much for hopping on the show tonight and joining us. Yeah, I was uh, – this was so much fun. I wish we could go, like, even longer. I know you like to keep – I know you guys like to keep the show nice and tight. I think that's really smart, help it stand out a little bit more and everything. But we're going to have to talk offline, or I'm going to have to come back on again this summer once I've gotten some more of these live looks that I'm trying to get at minor league games this year. Yeah, man, you know there's always an open invitation back for you. Uh, again, one of the best minds out there. And for the people that, again, don't know you or haven't followed you yet, please give us where they can find you and then where they can find your work. Yeah, I'm on Twitter, at Too Much Tuma, And I do my writing for Underdog Fantasy. It's like underdognetwork.com. But just follow on Twitter if you're interested. I always legit love to talk baseball. Like I, I love the interactions. Uh, for me, like the community of fantasy baseball and prospects and all of it just makes like the world of difference. It really is a motivating factor. So, And please also, if you guys like fantasy baseball, you like talking baseball, there's also a Patreon out there uh, that Brendan has too. Is that linked in your Twitter bio? Yeah, yeah, it's there. And it's just like little extra stuff that I like to do going a little bit deep on prospects and, you know, redraft rankings. That I like to like update every day and just a little extra bonus content and whatnot. But I love it. I love it. Yeah. Again, make sure you're following him if you're not already and check out all his great content and that you guys that check out the show every week, we truly appreciate you guys. Please make sure 
that you guys smash that like button on YouTube, help boost the YouTube algorithm. If you want to comment on John's beard, leave a beard emoji down in the comments below. Something that here that we can uh, make sure you guys know you're watching the show, checking us out here. And if you're on the podcast version, we appreciate you guys. Make sure you're subscribed there. And that's going to do it for, uh, for John, for Michael, for Brendan. I'm David. We'll catch you guys in week eight of the